UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. My logo, and I think we're live now. And I'll hit my logo, if that works. Did it work? I can see your logo. Okay. For some reason, I can't. But that's that's fine. It's okay. I guess we're live. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. It wouldn't be a, a program about the secret space program without technical difficulties. And that's exactly what we're having again. That's why you can't see me. I don't know what 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 this is like. But every time I do a show that's dealing with this, it seems like there's some kind of interference. And but more so, I'm so happy to welcome my guest today. I've been wanting him to get on my show for a long time. I consider his experience, even though I'm skeptical, I consider his experience 100% legit. Like he is, he is verified. Like um, the biggest people in the business have verified his story, Michael Sala. But um, you can just tell when he speaks, you can tell he speaks truth. And his story really resonates with me. And who I'm speaking about is Tony Rod Riggs. And at first I thought your name was Rodriguez, but then I heard you say it was Rod Riggs. So I made sure I pronounced it right. But anyway, he's a he's a 20 year tour experiencer, author of the autobiography series Colony Cavalier, which we'll be talking about tonight and co-creator of Talks with Tony, a Patreon group focused on disclosure and consciousness expansion. He hosts support groups and has created a course for others who suspect they have been involved in similar programs. And just a little bit more about his book. Tony's book, Series Colony, Cavan series Colony Cavalier, gives an unprecedented look of how monstrous practice of slavery had been resurrected and extensively used inside covert government programs on Earth and in space. What you're about to hear will both shock and enlighten you of what it means to have been a slave in the secret space program and its support services for 20 years. Tony is to be congratulated for his bravery in coming forward and sharing his traumatic experiences to a world that is finally waking up to the truth of secret space programs and extraterrestrial life. And that was written by Dr. Michael Sala. He wrote that comment. And uh, I want to give him a big warm welcome to the show. Tony, thank you for coming back on my show. Thank you for coming on my show for the first time. How are you? I'm good. Good to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having so, me. I, and sorry about the tech difficulties. Obviously, we got a lot, a lot of fans in the chat. Um, I wanted to ask you this. Like, why do you think they do? Because a lot of people know your story, but maybe we should give a little bit of background. Like, how did this all start for you? Uh, that's a good question. It was a very long time ago. I was 10 years old and I basically brushed up against people that had access to these programs. So, um, people that were owners put to put it bluntly. And I was taken, not because I was groomed for it or like I was supposed to be, it wasn't like I was the ideal candidate. I was taken 
as a punishment or, you know, just it was a flex on them. It was, I went to school with a kid whose father had access to the speaker programs. He said his dad was an Illuminati and um, we didn't get along. We were kids, you know, and uh, his dad came in one day for school to be the judge for the science fair. And that was on a Wednesday. And I believe I was taken the following night, uh, Thursday. And what happened was I was taken and sold into a program and uh, what they call a career return program through uh, which we got from somebody we know uh, named Jason Rice. But um, ultimately lived for 20 years throughout for, for whatever technology it is that they've traded with extraterrestrials, whatever, um, however they do it, I'm not exactly sure. And uh, but basically I lived for 20 years grew to adulthood in black programs being sold from one to the next and eventually into space and into into colonies that are in, in our solar system from government and got secret entities uh, that have been up there for a long time, about a hundred years already. So and, it goes back. So it goes back even further than world war two. You would say it goes back a hundred years. Well, I think that, I think that there have been extraterrestrials here participating in, uh, the, the social structure of mankind the whole time. I think 100% of our history, we've had extraterrestrials among us and manipulating us, using us as a resource. I believe that's, I totally believe that. But it's, an, it's an opinion. It's important for me to, it's important for me to say that that's my opinion. And when I talk about what happened to me, then that's my story of, that's a truth that has i've been fortunate because of my early times in, on the earth in that 20 years and with other things that have panned out and it's still it still keeps coming but i've been very fortunate to have a lot of validation so um that's why i keep talking about it but yeah i believe it's my opinion they've been they've been using us in this capacity for a very long time the whole time do you think that we were like a genetically modified species have you ever gotten into that like with, and, and 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 do the anunnaki have anything in our history as far as like, it's, and I know you don't talk about the Anunnaki much, but I figured I would ask you about that because I didn't know if that fits into like what you think about our history at all. So that's a buzzword right now. Anunnaki is all over the place. You know, we're getting a lot of people that have um, contact with um, ETs and are, you know, trying to fill us in on the history of mankind, of what's happened to this point, because obviously the history that we've been taught in school is not correct because it does not allow for the events that have happened to have to be. So uh, as far as Anunnaki, that is um, not, I'm trying to, I'm sorry if I pause, I'm keeping up with the chat. I see people here that I, in the chat that I know, and I just, I love you guys. And I just want to say hi, but I can't type in the chat and <laughs> I keep pausing. But uh, as far as that, I really don't have any information on that. Um, as far as the names of it and the actual, the, the history uh, of mankind, I know that it was much different than what we've been taught, but they didn't teach it to me. You know, I was very much in the dark on a lot of things. So, uh, but, um, what I wanted to say was, this all started with okay. So you 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 got into that bump in with that kid. I know your story because I've heard it. I've listened to other podcasts you did, and then you know his dad was Illuminati. But then also there was some kind of satanic ties there too, right? Like when they originally first abducted you, you were in kind of like a UFO abduction, but then it went to like, you went to like Seattle, right? Where you were being like used as like some kind of like 
I don't want to be blunt, but some kind of like sexual thing, right? Can you get into that? Sure. Uh, so there were a couple trips to Seattle. So through the story, the book really got, does a good deal of putting it in order, uh, the order that it happened, because I went back and forth a few years. Um, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't um, groomed for what they took me for. So in other words, they didn't have a uh, seat to fill. So they grabbed me to fill the seat. They wanted to punish me. So they grabbed me and put me into where I could be used. And um, so they were testing me. There was, there, it was different jobs for different times that I was being, uh, you know, through it. I was out there. And as I would outlive my service and, my, you know, my usefulness in one task, they would reassess me, retrain me, and put me on another one. Anyhow, in the beginning, I made one trip to Seattle. So I was privately owned by somebody in Seattle. And, uh, you know, they put us through like an MKUltra style program where I was, you know, broken and then put through a uh, artificial, like a remote viewing program, like artificial psychic program. And I was a 10 year old kid at the time. So they were kids and I wasn't the only one. It was a class of kids and they were, be they were able to give us drugs and put us under and then channel information. So it was a technology. It wasn't a religious experience back then. So there were a lot of things that happened that I'm going to touch in on my next book. But after that, I was I was sent to Peru and I was being used there for drug trafficking. So they would put me under and they would know if it was safe or not or, you know, if the coast was clear. It was a technology. So it was like a radar, canary in the coal mine, however you want to say it. But they were putting me under on flights that they were selling, shipping drugs from Peru to uh, Colombia. And it was a security system. It was a, So that's why the drug, war on drugs is a failure. They have way more way more technology in this regard than than we're led to believe as exists. Um, but after that, after I lost that ability, and when I got into uh, closer to puberty, there may be a couple reasons why, but you know, right for the two years, so I was 10, 11, 12, so right before puberty, about 12, I was no longer good at this. They would drug me and I would be incoherent. So they just sent me back to my owner in Seattle. And while I was there, he had converted the house and there were other boys living in the, in the property. And, uh, there were, there was another house on the property. I believe that had girls in it and they would throw fundraisers or part. We were basically owned. And, um, and I think the oldest boy was 17 or 18 and then younger. And then I was middle-aged and then there were even younger boys than me. And we were used uh, for sex slavery, um, to put it bluntly, to put it mildly, and uh, they would throw parties in the summer. They were they were fundraisers for uh, politics, local politics. He was heavily into local politics, and um, they would throw parties. And they had satanic rituals in the house. He was a practicing satanist, and um, I witnessed several of those. And subsequently, since I've got my memories back and I've been researching, you know, trying to unpack what happened, you know. Anybody, I think any human, everybody, uh, it's very normal. If something bad happens to you, something traumatic, the first thing that people ask themselves is, why me? Why is this happening to me? And the whole time after I've got my memories back, I, you know, I always go back and look at why. Why did they do this? Why did they, why did they have me? Why were they do, practicing the things that they did? And I researched quite a bit of it. And, um, I think it's an ancient technology that ancient man discovered. I think when people die, that there's a 
phenomenon that happens and that's why they do the ritual sacrifice i think that there are other things that happen that they in rituals that are with alignments uh certain times of the year that they can contact um i guess for lack of a better word interdimensional tech uh interdimensional intelligences that can give them information from the future and the past and that's how they've gotten ahead and that's how they run things and then they along came christianity and stamped out ritual human sacrifice and they closed the door behind them so they have guarded the technology between them but i think it's less religion and more technology is what i witnessed in ritual form like a ritual technology and uh not giving it an excuse and i'm not trying to paint a rosy picture on it it really bothers me when i get asked about the satanism that one day somebody might get curious off the things i say and go try it themselves which i think is a would be a horrible thing because there was a great deal of uh torture and just very immoral what they did um, but that being said i did that for a couple years and then when i lost my funk my usefulness in that capacity then they sold me off their exact words where they sold me to the military and because i came in through you know the base on the moon where the technology was and how i how it began because i came in through that i qualified to go through in the back into the black programs the secret space program and i was flown to the moon and reassessed and trained to be a support soldier and flown off to mars i hope that answered your question <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I was just following the story now. So I, I, I love, and I'm sure people want to hear like what's going on on the, I think this is where I kind of wanted to focus the, the main context of our discussion, like what's going on on the moon, Mars and Ceres. I know you said in other podcasts that you've done, you said that like you could go the whole podcast and you could talk about the abduction phase because that's a huge part or you could talk about the whole, um, uh, uh, the, 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 channeling drugs thing you know um so there, there's different parts of your story that you could kind of focus on as far as like where you want to you know dig into the material and i figured maybe we could kind of dig into what happened to you once you with the moon mars and series now i'm not sure if you were on the moon but i know you were on mars but you spend most of your time in series right that's right exactly it's most of the time i was on mars for less than a year uh you know maybe six to nine months i think uh, was my whole time and it takes it dominates a lot of questions in 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 shows that i get um you know the whole period was 20 years so i was taken at 10 years old and went to 30 years old and then put back in a 10 year old body so during that time well, quite a bit happened there's just no way to cover it all there's really i couldn't cover it all in the book but um i would ask you i mean what are you most skeptical about that's that's what i want to know I know my name's typical skeptic, but I don't know if you watch any of my other interviews. I tend to be more open-minded about things. Like I'm, I'm really open-minded and I'm more of a believer. Like I've had Elena Danan on my show many times. I've had, you know, a lot of the people that you were at the Galactic Spiritual Informers concert with. I've had Brad Olson on my show, Danny Henderson. I mean, um, uh, Robert Earl White, like I'm more of a believer. Okay. But um, I just have a little bit, I think it's healthy to be skeptical and I'd love to get your opinion on that. Like, I think we should all be skeptical to a certain Absolutely. degree. It's just where I don't, I don't get crazy. And like, I'm not a debunker. I'm, I'm not like that. I'm more of a believer, you know? I uh, am skeptical myself. Like I'm skeptical of myself, if that makes sense. Because the things I remember are just, you know, hard to, hard to swallow sometimes. So I'm always constantly like, man, am I, 
doing the right thing here. And I always remind myself, and there are things that I cite that I, there are things that happen that are just undeniable. And I go, man, I, you know, I would be remiss if I was silent about it. And so, but um, I think skepticism is underrated and I, because we're getting people that are, that are terrible at it. So people that tend to be skeptical are also angry and don't want, they want to scream and shout and not have a discourse because if you do have a logical discourse, then you, you know, you're open to changing your mind. So I think, but skepticism, and there's a lot of people that have come forward, let's face it, that could use a good, healthy um, cross-examining, you know? So me, I've, I've been through skeptics and there's a lot of things that support my, my account that I went through. So, um, that like I just you can't... found the house that you lived in in Seattle, right? Like it all checked out. I think that's where it starts to get eerie. The fact that's that you right. kind of cross verified these facts. Right. So in the beginning, I got all the memories like kind of in a dump. Like once it happened, they all came in big chunks, big years of memories all at once. And it was like it hit me. And uh, it was just too much. It was just too much. It wasn't like remembering a dream or something. You know what I mean? I was literally re remembering years and years of life. So I knew I knew of something, but then when I got on the computer and found physically found the, the town in Seattle or the town in Peru, and then the house in Seattle, I went, "Oh my God, that's real!" And then about a year later, that was in uh, May of fifteen, and then in September of sixteen, I went to the house. I actually went to the place where it's at. I flew to Seattle. I couldn't. I would love to go to Peru back there, but it's just a very lawless, very dangerous area. There's a lot of illegal things that go on. But I went to the house in Seattle, and the area was exactly like I remember it. The, the store up the street, um, the beach, everything. Every I knew my way around without a map, which is weird, which was a very surreal feeling. So I uh, I was able to drive there without mapping it, and I'd never been there. And I can literally prove that I've never been there. It's easy. It would be an easy thing to do and uh, in my life. So I, I had way too much information about that area. I still want to go back um, again. And I'd love to go to Inyo Kern. Brad Olson went there and checked it out with for me, but I haven't been to the Inyo Kern um, place where I was in the beginning. But when that stuff started happening, I thought, man, whoa, this is a little much here. I need to be able to. Sh I need to talk to somebody about this. And I decided early on that I did not want to take it with me to the grave. That I, you know, I just dreaded the the thought of laying on my deathbed and going, man, I should have told somebody about all this because it was just too much. You know, it was just too much there. I have a question. I, I, I think this is a good question. I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it. And it's not a skeptical question. It's just a question. It's just a curiosity question. Like when they do these age, age regressions, like why do you think they use a period of 20 years? Did you ever look into that? And like, what, what, what is it about the 20 year thing? Is it because maybe the human body cycles in, in a 20 year period or something like that? Or I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I'm trying to say? No, that's a great question. That's a great question. And, you know, in my own research, so at the time, so you can imagine like, they were explaining to me. So let me paint the picture. I was sitting on a naked on a stainless steel table in a rounded room with aliens walking around on an ET base. And wow. I was talking telepathically with a short reptilian with a couple of shorter grays in the room. And then there was a taller white gray that was coming and going like a doctor. And they said, they told the reptilian, you need to explain to him what's going to happen. We need to get his permission. Like they literally needed my permission. And I was a 10-year-old boy, so it was pretty easy to talk me into something. But he said, we're going to borrow your consciousness. That was his exact words. We're going to borrow your consciousness for 20 years. 
you're going to take, you're going to live. And he explained, I said, no, I can't do that. And he kind of talked me into it with, you know, without going into a lot of detail, but I asked why not? So after I agreed, I said, okay, I want to help you guys. He said, we need your help basically. And I said, yes, I want to help you guys because like any, um, schoolboy, a 10 year old boy would be fascinated with ETs intelligent ETs with advanced technology. Of course, you'd be impressed and they were being kind. At least it seemed that way. So I said, I asked him, I said, uh, why 20 years? Why not 50? Why not a hundred years? Why not 10 years? Why, why 20? And he said that the program that I was in, he said that there were several programs. He said, but what I was doing that it was capped at 20 years for every species, not just humans. He said for all the species, uh, it's capped at 20 years because more than 20 in one go, you know, you'll run the risk of being, uh, insane when they put you back, like having a mental problem. When they put you back, you have a high risk after 20 years, you have a high risk of mental problem, mental problems afterwards. And, uh, so I said, okay, but then I kind of researched that and we we're hearing from other people that have experienced the same phenomenon. They go for 60 years. There's a lot of people that, uh, that say, you know, I did 10, 60 index. And there are people that say I've done this and that, like many different numbers keep coming at us, but where they always come in 20 year increments. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to dispel that or say that that's BS. I just don't know. I literally don't know. And, yeah. uh, I, I heard you on another podcast. I thought this was really interesting that you said this because like, um, you know, I, I am a little bit skeptical, not of your story, but of like, I, I, because it seems like there's so many people coming out that are like, they're saying that they were in the 20 and back program. And I don't doubt them at all because like, I, I want to be like opening and welcoming to anybody that feels like they have that issue. But when, when I heard you talking to another program, you said that a lot of times that, that the government will throw like, like disinformation at us. Like they'll have like, 10 real SSP witnesses, but then they'll have kind of like maybe like, or they'll have a hundred real SSP witnesses, but then they'll have like 10 disinformation agents that kind of muddy, muddy the waters. Is that correct? There's, there's guys that are talking about that now that openly admit that they were CIA. So I don't, that's the first, that's just the big, that's the reddest of all red flags to say, Oh yeah, I was in CIA and now I'm a whistleblower for, for ufology so that's like oil and water it doesn't make any sense to me but there and it sucks i, I gotta tell you between me and you it's hard to say you know because i have friends that are we're all kind of friends we get together at these like you said at the orlando conference we're all friends we've all become friends people the speakers when you go through something you bond and even if it was different like people that were you know, like a World War II vet, they meet other people in World War II, they instantly have a common bond and they become friends and kind of this, it's the same thing with the SSP uh, people that are coming forward. So you're friends, but the reality is, is that not all of us are, are real, that some of us, you know, maybe they, it's very important for them to dilute this information, to make it look, you know, because to keep their options open, basically. So that they can either sweep us under the rug or, you know, control what's going to happen when they do disclose that there's life out there. Are they going to tell us about all these programs, especially in my testimony where I'm basically, you know, saying that many laws were broken and lots of human rights were not honored in what happened to me. So my testimony is very damning to some of these programs. Um, yeah. Are people we had a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Literally unbelievable where there are things that there's just no way that the technology is not as such. So, um, but I don't want to turn into that guy that goes around. I'm not a, a, a researcher and B it's not mine. 
place to be skeptical. It's my place to let you know my testimony. And then I can be compared against other people and you people in the audience can sort it out for themselves. But yeah, it's, yeah, very it's kind of like they take what resonates with you, right? Yeah. And I, real quick, I just want to say this, that the process of remembering things that were industrial, you know, deleted from you on an industrial grade level, on a military military grade mind wipe, um, the, the ability to get the memories back is very difficult. So I think that most of the people that don't make sense with their testimony in the community are people that um, don't have all the memories. So, you know, they remember being taken, they remember a few bullet points, and their mind is kind of stretching to connect the dots because the memories still aren't there. It's a very difficult thing. They're very effective at deleting your memories and actually programming people. So people that go through the programs uh, are programmed with, Jason Rice called them parting gifts. And uh, it's very true. Every people that I've worked, I've worked with thousands of people since I've been public that have contacted me privately. And I, by de facto, I kind of am their researcher even the you know i have a i have a what do you call it? i have a uh, you know an angle uh, a perspective of what they go through what they remember that's unique because i remember what i went through so people contact me and what i've learned is that uh, most of them have a very small amount of memory recall so i'm i'm a freak in that regard that i have as much as i do and there's lots that i don't remember i don't remember names worth of damn and uh, there's a time, I'm the first to admit that there are many things that I do not remember, but I do remember quite a bit. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. We had a question from the chat that someone wrote, I don't know if you can see it up on the screen. I left it up because I thought it was a good one. He said, can he talk more about it, the connection he made to Boys Town and his own experience? And then they, he also wrote, has he done more research since he, his discussion with Dr. Sala? So I'm not sure what you mean by Boys Town. I don't know if they mean like uh, the, the 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 I guess the place in Seattle. Maybe they meant. So yeah, it wasn't a boys' town. It was a private house. You know, the guy was a basically a billionaire. Um, and then, so I don't I don't I don't know yeah. what kind of connection other than I went there and I physically found the place, and it was exactly how, how I remembered it. Um, I have not found any of the other boys that were there. What, what about the someone asked earlier, what about the little boy and his dad that kind of caused all this? Have you ever kind of tracked them down? And if you were able to track them down, what would you could you even do anything? Because if they are Illuminati, it seems like they would be untouchable, right? Yeah, it's more of a hornet's nest for me. So that's one thing I catch a lot of flack, actually, from people saying, you know, you're enabling them to do this more by not coming forward and, and going right at them. But the reality is, is that um, when you when you if you thought about me being a witness and pressing charges, I don't think I'd stand a snowball's chance in hell in court because in, in order for the, uh, for a judge or any kind of legal apparatus to, to take me seriously, you know, there would be um, national security would be invoked. There would be a lot of things happening. There's a lot of legal challenges to me going after, but I have found them. Um, I do remember his name and I have found him and he's out there and, is doing well. And I've shared the name with government agents. So I've been contacted by secret agencies since I've come forward too. at one point, they wanted me to be an advisor. And I had and with other researchers. So not just Dr. Sala, but there are many, many people have contacted me and wanted to research me. 
and I've worked with them. And I turned the names over to them privately so that they can be researched and actually had private eyes go through and look at the history of the family, which traces all the way back. It's funny. I will say this. Um, it seems like all of the Satanists tra trace back to Scotland at some point. Like all the ones that um, have been drug up through my testimony, through other testimonies, when we research them privately and look at their family tree, it seems like they all end up back in Scotland. So Scotland is a kind of a hub for this community, for that, for that culture. They all kind of go through Scotland, however, however that works out. I don't know. But yeah, I found them. Yeah, that's amazing that you found them. Now, I was going to ask you this, like, why do you think people are, are starting to have, I mean, do you, can you, can I don't, I don't expect you to be able to answer this because I think it's a tough question, but I, I just kind of want to get the, the mind, mind around it. Like, why do you think people are how having bleed through memories? Like you would think that maybe this technology isn't as superior as we think it is because a lot of, it seems like it's not just like one person, two people. It's like, 20 now 50 now hundreds are coming forward saying maybe maybe thousands who knows um that that they're that they're they're bought they've been taken and then i i don't know if you've ever heard of this woman but i wanted to ask you about this i i deal with i've had this woman on my show she's amazing her name's dr kimberly mcgeorge and she talks about that they can actually take our consciousness at night and use our consciousness so I guess that's a two-part question. I guess the first thing would be is, why do you think people are having these bleed-through memories all of a sudden? And then secondly, do you believe that they can use our consciousness without us knowing? So firstly, um, I think people have always had the bleed-through memories. I think that early on that the human-based programs, so I think ETs have been taking us all along. So yeah. for, like I, you know, like I said earlier, Others, other species, other programs have been coming in. They can sweep through our area of the universe, pop in and take us for whatever reason, for whatever reason, as you know, probably an infinite amount of reasons that they would want to take us uh, individually for, to, for whatever. <clears throat> so that's been happening all along and that's a different technology. The human-based programs really got funding in the eighties. And uh, it really exploded. So the, the abductions really exploded right after 1980. From 80 to 85, they really were populating the workforce up there. It's like the apparatus on the back of the moon and the system for taking people and putting them through this to build out into the, into the solar system really got off the ground in 1980, at least, you know, on the American side. So we see a lot of people from that class, you know, late 70s to the mid 80s, a lot of people. And I think that because it was new that they weren't as good at, at erasing the memories. So people, and that was, would be in my era that I was taken. So the memories aren't erased as well as they are nowadays. So when someone's taken in 2000, for instance, or the late nineties, they have a much harder time getting their memories back for one. For two, I think people have always had their memories back from these abductions from all kinds of, um, different reasons, different people, you know, not only just the military taking them, but other ETs, like people always have a, a some bit of memory back, but they don't know where to speak, speak about it. But now we're, because we're public, because we have a platform on the internet that we're speaking about it. People are watching these videos because that's the other thing is when you have, when you see a UFO, you see a, a, if a UFO lands in your yard, an alien gets out for the rest of your life, you're researching this. You know, if you put it with your own two eyes, you're not supposed to see it. The rest of your life, you're now a researcher and you're like looking for places, looking for more information to explain what the heck just happened. And what's happening is, is people that have had 
experiences and they have memories that don't make sense they're the ones in the audience that's the that's our audience those are the people that are coming and looking at these videos and when they see a video that resonates the same way that i did when i saw randy kramer for the first time which actually caused my recall when he explained it uh when they see our videos and they go oh my god that's exactly what happened to me it's just like what he said and then you know one memory opens up more memories like they're working a keystone so there are things that I see it happens to me all the time. I see another testimony and go, wow, I remember that. I, how did I not think of that? Because you just don't think about memory, deep memories from a long time ago need to be, you got to have your mind, your memories jogged. And so videos like this one that we're doing right now and thousands of others are jogging people's memories. And that's why we're seeing it. So what was the other uh, second part of your question? I, I said that I, I, I've had a woman on my show. Her name's Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. She works a lot with like about consciousness. technology. So it, consciousness. Yeah. Um, is a currency. So our consciousness is part of the technology and probably what they use. So when you think about the universe as, uh, and I hate to say this as the example, because there's so many newer, there's so many more newer sources of the information. But when you look back at like hermetic principle is that the basis of the universe is actually consciousness thought based. So the universe is actually thought based and your consciousness is beamed in so <clears throat> people can manifest things consciousness is a very important very powerful thing that no machine will ever have and uh, so yes our consciousness is a currency and, and when you talk about when you talk about species that have been in space for millions of years learning from other species we're talking about things like very advanced artificial intelligences that are another layer of existence and very advanced actual species so there are, there are beings that are very smart that we can't even comprehend how smart they are. <clears throat> they communicate in millions, possibly billions of words per second with each other. Um, when you think about intelligences like that, for them to advance their technology, it's based on consciousness. So that's, the, you know, like at, at some point, that is where, like right now, what is our most technological thing right now that we're working on? Working on some medical science and AI and nuclear science you know like it's we're our, our technologically the humans right now are at a low level so at a certain level it but it goes it lends itself to the phenomenon of consciousness actually manifesting new things and manipulating the hologram that we live in we live in a quantum hologram field that's the whole universe which has round planets and space in between them but it is a quantum hologram so i just want to say that there's no uh the simulation is much bigger than anybody wants to admit. <laughs> I, I agree. So you believe we live in some kind of matrix? Like we, we believe it's a simulated reality to a certain degree? We live in 3D. We live in the universe exactly how we see it. Astronomy is correct. You know, we can fly to other planets. Those planets are, have, there are sphere, they're round. Gravity works the same everywhere. And, uh, but it is a quantum holograph field. So when you get into quantum physics, it's a quantum holograph field. So that quantum holograph theory is the one that marries the macro physics of, you know, nuclear physics and, you know, other physics, macro physics with quantum physics and with the uh, ESP phenomenon and psychic phenomenon. So that all makes perfect sense in a quantum holograph theory universe. And I believe that's exactly what we live in. And so uh, the, the other theory is that there's no space and that the stars are going around as a flat earth. Crap is crap. It's just to it's just to divide people. It's working like a charm. I have a good question. I I never I, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but like with what's currently going on with like Elon Musk, for example, like he says that he wants to be on Mars by 
you know, he has a timeline and he thinks he has it all figured out. But then when like someone like Joe Rogan asked him about UFOs, he kind of like brushes it off. Like, you know, like they don't exist. Like, what are your thoughts on Elon? And like, what do you think he's going to experience once he goes up there? Because obviously he might be privy to this world of UFOs and he's not saying anything about it. Or he honestly might be completely in the dark and he doesn't know. Like, I just wanted to get your thoughts. And like, you think he's obviously in for a big surprise if he does go to Mars. So if you have somebody in your life that is uh, telling you one thing, but doing another, uh, you have a good idea of what's going on. You know, like your actions have to line up with your words. And in this case with Elon Musk, for him to not believe that there that there is life out there and then on one hand and then have incredibly radically advanced technology across the board in all his companies way ahead of what um, the uh, corporations that exist now, like his cars are way more advanced than the electric cars that are coming out. His rockets are way more advanced. He's cut the cost of spaceflight down by a thousand by a factor of a thousand. And then to have Neuralink in the works and a vacuum tunnel train, a high-speed transport, which is all, these are all space program, secret space program assets all along. And so for him to have access and then to say that there's no ETs out there just shows that he's lying. He has access. The Starlink, there's a few things that kind of tip. And it's very important for me to say this, in my opinion. In my opinion, he's has access to the space program. He's probably a front man for one of the programs. So uh, I don't think anybody gets $100 billion this day if they're not in the club. So there's just no way. There's too many. They have too many different apparatuses corp, that corporate corporations, the corporate culture can take you down with if you're not, you know, if you're going, if you're going it alone, which he seems to be going it alone. Like um, he is, he is uh, definitely on, you know, going against the wind uh, of what they want. They don't want us. They didn't, they don't want us to be advanced. They could have solved the rocket thing a long time ago. They could have done the cars uh, a long time ago. So he's pushing it. So somebody is behind him and is pushing our technology forward, you know, like a leap forward. And I think once he gets into space, he might be the linchpin. Think about it like this. When you look at it from top down, it's obvious that all the ETs are on the same page about maintaining secrecy because what's to stop one ET race from coming in and presenting themselves physically and, uh, and the other ones to hide from us. So uh, they're all on the same page. So there's a set of laws in space that are stopped preventing contact with ETs. So whatever that is, it's obvious, it's evident. So um, there may be rules to disclosure if you, when the, the history is as such that the the Deutsch, the Germans of World War II, made it into space and made contact. So kind of once they got on the moon, they were able to participate with the ETs in that in that, you know, they they went on. They were able to access space. And then the United States and Russia went. And it was the first thing they did was go and set foot on the moon. And then it was they hush hush. So it's kind of like a goalpost. And once they get there, they're welcome into the club with ETs. And it was the United States military. It was NASA. But it's basically military. So then they kept it for themselves. And we hear about Solar Warden program that began after that. So now if a private company goes there, then that means we made it past the goalpost. You get what I'm saying? Like this may be the linchpin for disclosure that the citizen, a citizen has to do it, not a government, but a citizen company has to go and hit the goalpost, cross cross the the end of the end zone, which is the moon, and then they can disclose legally 
from their end. You know, you, if you understand what I mean by that. So there may yeah. be rules on from in space that include that, you know, that their hands are tied until we make it there to the moon. So I'm hoping that's it. Like, I'm hoping that that's what it is and that we can get a civilian to set foot on the moon, which represents all of humanity. And then they'll just close. They'll open say, OK, you guys made it. Here we are. And I'm hoping that that's how I'm hoping that's how disclosure takes place. So I was going to ask you, do you think I just thought about this? Do you think that um, they would have they would obviously have a lot of explaining to do, though, right? Because the, not only have they lied to us since Roswell and, and maybe before that about the Roswell crash and everything that happened in between, but also on top of that, the abductions that happened in the in the in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and now the secret space program abductions. Like, do you think they will ever come clean about that? Or how could they? Right. It seems like they never would be able to come clean. Well, I think that once it begins, firstly, I want to say to uh, Rox Rachel here. So I don't know current stuff on the moon. I was there a very long time ago, and I, I really can't answer that question. Um, okay. what, what, what's going on currently? I'm saying on the one on the screen. But um, yeah. the, you're talking about all the laws that were broken. Like, you know, I mean, so the technical letter of the law, like what I went through when I was in annual current was perfectly legal. They had classified the buildings we were in as special districts. So and they're outside of the jurisdiction of local law enforcement. So it was like literally legal what they did. So that says one thing. I think that. I think that there, once there's a disclosure, uh, and I'm talking about an official one, like a big one, like a disclosure, like not just that there's life or or rodents on another planet, but that there are here's another species. They have cities, and here's their spaceships, and this is their science. Like once we get a disclosure where we have ETs actually standing in front of us, um, there's going to be so much disclose. They disclose things all the time, and heads should roll. Look at the Twitter stuff that just hit the fan. Like nothing's happening. They disclose horrible crimes. This is a treason. They disclose horrible crimes all the time and nothing happens. Everybody, nobody bats an eye. Everybody goes right back to work. So that's exactly what's going to happen post-disclosure. They're going to say, oh, by the way, all these people were taken and tortured and blah, blah, blah. And nobody's going to do anything about it. And they're going to keep disclosing. And, and the flood of information that comes from disclosure is just going to bury it all. Under You know, the, the positives are going to bury the negatives. They're going to tell us. But I don't expect any kind of like tribunals or like I don't expect any kind of justice out of it. I think that at this point, we just need to get disclosure and get on with our growth. You know, um, I, I agree. I, I totally agree. I think it's it's about time and we're due for it. And I think that, that, that be, I mean, do you think along with disclosure will come free energy? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's why we're going to electric everything. That's why all the weed whackers and everything are going to be electric. Uh, that's why. Because free energy is the ability to plug into the into the existing grid, and the, the you know our power source right now is predominantly coal and fossil fuels. So if you get free energy and plug it into the grid, it's the same difference. They're just going to phase out the gas, and it's going to be a free energy source, and probably try to still charge us. <laughs> I, I agree. This one's from Leiba Gould. She's a, a subscriber. She wrote, "When it comes to memory recovery, are you able to feel or know directly that it's real?" Absolutely. So memory recall is much different than, um, well, and I, you know, I'll be the first to admit that there are technologies out there programming people with screen, they say screen memories. There are, there are mental, pro, mental things like, and I did go through a mental blender more than once in the program. 
So I remember being programmed like more than once. So I would say that. But the reason that I know that they're real is because they're just too many. There's no way that they program me with 20 years worth of memories for one. And I always say this. I say this all the time. When you dream that you're on a beach, and even if it's a lucid, most realistic dream, most realistic beach you ever saw, if you dream it and you stop and become lucid and you think, how did I get here? There's no memory of driving to the beach or waking up that morning and taking a shower and brushing your teeth and getting dressed and then getting ready for the beach and then going to the beach. A dream doesn't do that. A false memory doesn't do that. Real memories do. In a real memory, you can look back to when, what happened earlier that day, what happened the next day. There's a, there's a context. And so that's my biggest thing. And then, you know, because in my case, I remembered things that I had no idea existed. And then I went and found that they exist. So that was, that's what happened to me. I was fortunate in that regard. So many people get memories back and they can't, they can't go to Seattle to the house and say, this is exactly it. Wow. My memories are real. It's real. And so what most I was gonna people, say was, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say like, what is it like when you're coming up with memories for, we're not coming up, but when you remember things from like series, because it seems like something that would be so far from what we think reality is like, so like that had to be like the biggest shock in the world. And then like, was it hard putting that together, like remembering that place? And or does it just seem like something that happened yesterday? So when I got the memories back, I really wasn't aware of series back then. So I got the memories back of series and I went, wait a minute. And I started looking on the wet NASA website. And oh, my God, there's a planet series. Exactly how I remember it. And I zoomed in and the dawn probe was just getting there. Like it hit the news after I got my memories back. And uh, so I was unaware of it. It's not like I was like studying series and then remembered living there. It was, I remembered living there and then discovered series. Um, but what happened was all of the, like the Mars, the Mars memories are very um, difficult to explain. So many people are like, wait a minute, you were breathing the atmosphere on Mars? Bull bullshit, Tony. Pardon my language. But that's the first thing that I hear all the time. And I go, man, I have to say it. I have to, once, you know, once I'm in, I have to keep going, you know, I have to keep telling the truth, no matter how hard it is for people to believe it. I, I'm, I'm telling exactly how I remember it. So I have to include all of it. I can't just censor my memories because I think that people won't believe it. So I tell the whole story as best I can. And, and people have a hard time with Mars. But what's true is that when I discovered that when I went to Seattle in 2016, and I discovered that my memories there, I thought that I would go to the house and I would be it was vague. But actually, I had freakishly a lot of memories. Like I knew a lot and it was, it was freakishly accurate. Like to the point where I knew when I drove through town, I could see what was new. Oh, that place is new. And so I could remember that. So I, and that's I was on the phone with Dr. Sala the whole time. And I said, look, if, if I can trust that my earthbound memories are this accurate, then I got to trust the space ones. I got to trust that the space memories are accurate too. And then later on in 2020, this, the assault, uh, the geyser on series, the salt panned out. So that was a, you know, a little bit of corroboration. That was something that was nice to get validation from in space, not um, not uh, just an earthbound memory. Yeah. I will say this, that other people I've spoken to. So after the conference, like I met uh, Chris O'Connor and Jean-Charles Moyen and Elena Denon. And so we all speak together. We all stay in touch. And since then, there have been a lot of things that privately we've spoken with, each, especially Elena, who goes to space often still with the Federation. Um, there have been a lot of things that we talked about that nobody could have known. There are things that I remember, you know what I mean? You just by talking, you go, wow, I, 
how did you even know that? And with Jean Charles. And so their, their testimonies have to be taken into account as well, because there's a great deal of overlap and there are a great deal of details that I had that they knew that there's no way they could just guess it that came out in private conversation. So, yeah, we, we had a question from the chat. I don't know if this is one, one you'll know, or it says question, what role does the galactic fed members, uh, and the little grays and black jumpsuits have with children's interactions during nighttime? Is it prep for later life interactions? So I, when I working with people, so, so there's no way for me to know that, to be honest with you, from what I've been through, but working with other people. And like I said, it's a few thousand in, since I've been public, um, I've grouped them into three categories. So the first category is human space programs, human deep space programs. So basically the people that are, that are taken out of your room and going into a space program is a human from earth that's doing it. So that's the first category. The second category is our neighbors, the good old Draco, the reptilians. So that's a huge, basically, empire. And when they interact with us, all those people have the same kind of common denominators, why they're being taken and what's going on. It's usually not good. So that's the category two. And then category three is everybody else, because it seems like we are interacted with by many. I don't want to put a number on it, but really like an infinite number of species from all over the place. So the universe is very accessible once you get to a certain level of technology through portals using nearby portals around Jupiter and elsewhere. So you can go to other galaxies and back very quickly. And so that means that trillions of worlds, trillions of different possible habitated worlds can access our world. And uh, so that's everybody else. So I don't know. So anybody could be taking kids for any reason and getting them ready for any purpose for their whole life. So it could be any one of those categories. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was, so you're, you're saying that you were able to breathe the, the oxygen on Mars, because I, I, I'll just give you an example. Like there, I had a, a guest come on my show and she said that she found biospheres on Mars and how she did it was she, um, looked up on Google Earth, I guess on Google Earth, you, you can, you don't have to just use Google Earth, you can do Google Moon and Google Mars. So you can look at things. So she's found uh, plate objects on the moon, she's found objects on Mars. And she said it looked kind of like biospheres, like it looked, did, does that something you remember? Or, or what would so you they say were, to that? So for their own security, not only to hide from us from the Earth, uh, exploration but for their own security from other other species and just the engineering aspect of it i i was um, under the impression that all of the habitats were underground so big spheres but they're under they're covered with dirt okay. um, there was nothing on the surface uh, of my i don't remember and i never saw any any structure on the surface in fact the base that i was at had a door that was in a cave so you'd walk in the cave uh, 20 feet, and then there was a door there that went into the base that was underground. So there was nothing above ground that I was aware of beyond something like that. Entrances, you know, in the side of a mountain or doors that were well hidden, um, there were entrances into bases. So that's what I remember there, but I didn't see the whole place. And that, like I said, I was there less than a year. Yeah, but and, but they think that we're uh, they think that we're dead, right? Like, or they think the, the people on Ceres and Mars think that the people on Earth are dead, right? Some of them. So the general populace, like on Ceres, there was a, you know, it was one of those things that everybody was told, but nobody believed, really. And you're not sure you can't do anything about it to check it out one way or another. So, yeah, they were told that most of the people on Earth were dead. 
and um, that there were people that came and went, but they, the earth was very not um, hospitable place. And uh, they were taught that at a young age. And then in the program, so in the military, there were kids that, you know, got promoted and were actually going to be on flights to earth. And then they brought them in the know and it totally crushed them once they learned that they were being lied to their whole life about that people that grew up on series. So yeah, this is something that they're, they're doing to keep people away from wanting to go back there. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to ask you about was kind of like life on series. Cause I think you talked about this on another show, but I just kind of want to get an idea. Like, did you, I think you said you had a girlfriend there and then was, was your girlfriend extraterrestrial and like, how does that work with like mixing humans and, or, or I, you know what I mean? Like relationships work on another planet. Um, she was out of this world. I'm just joking. She was from earth. <laughs> she was taken. She had no memory of where she was taken from. She was taken from earth and uh she was a human they were all humans that were working there there are there is interspecies relationships so it's possible that male female dynamic is comp is more common than not and um there were many different versions of coupling that uh, didn't necessarily involve physical uh sexuality there were a lot of mental you know there were ets that would come in there and pay to be with a girl and they had a mental connection a mental experience um and then some of them were could were very dangerous it would actually there were women that were crippled from it um, but there is a great deal of interspecies sexuality and that was a real thing um no she was a slave she was taken in the same capacity that i was and there were there were many girls there like that um more men that were doing hard labor but there were girls this the sex trafficking is a very big business even beyond you know the earth uh, Series Colony, I'll say like this, was very realistic. Um, most of the most of the places looked like, you know, like you would inside any of our big buildings that we have. We have big shopping malls. We have big office buildings. We have things like that. Most of the places looked just like that. There were big caverns, and a lot of them, you couldn't even see the ceiling. You couldn't even see the ceiling of it. It was just black, and it looked like a nighttime in the city with a, you know, on a cloudy, on a cloudy night in a downtown of a city. And you look up, you can't see anything because there's clouds just dark up there. That's exactly what it looked like in a lot of areas on series. And then there were hallway, there were places that looked like you were just passing through a mall and they would have a train stop um, just like you would see anywhere else. It was very human looking, most of it, for the most part. That's insane. It's I, I can't even imagine it. You know what I mean? I want to imagine it because I, but it just seems like it's so crazy to me that there's this whole other world that like we're not being told about, you know? And it, it seems like such a, uh, uh, it's so heartbreaking because it seems like this is something we should be, we should know. I mean, see, it seems like everybody's right to know what's going on in our world, in our reality, right? You would think uh, that, a, that a society uh, would, um, you know, I don't want to go into a big, long his, history lesson, but in history, you, know, you got to think everybody that found a gold mine kept it a secret so that they could go back to town and have a source of gold that nobody knew about and secret you know et contact and space deep space has been the same thing so they've kept it for themselves so that they can profit and maintain a foothold of control yeah 
Yeah, it's 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 an, and then the last question I have for you is uh, because we've been going almost an hour. I don't want to take up too much of your time. This has been amazing, by the way. But I wanted to see what your thoughts on what, what the fourth Reich. Like, you know, I've interviewed Penny Bradley, and I just wanted to see if you corroborate with her testimony and what the fourth Reich, the excuse me, the fourth Reich's presence is on wherever the moon, Mars, outer space. Um. Well, that was who I owned me at the end on Series Colony was a series colony corporation that was under the ICC, which was, we call it the high command, was in Antarctica. So there were several nodes to that, and they were subservient to the Orion group. They were part of the Orion group. That was their sponsor, their intergalactic sponsor. So when they traveled to another star system, they were representing the Orion group in their negotiations. So uh, I don't know. You know, Penny's a friend, and I know her. She's very dear. I've met her in person. Um, I love her to death. I just don't follow a lot of her testimony. It's been, I just, you know, I don't watch these videos. I do my own thing. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what kind of details that she's talked about in it, but um, uh, I love Penny to death. That's uh, cool. I got to say that a lot of people that were in programs up there that the series colony was kind of its own independent colony whereas the rest of them tended to work under one umbrella the series colony was a breakaway group for the germans but they had that they had they were more independent they were kind of more on their own they had a separate amount of technology they were doing separate deals with the draco for their ships and their technology and other species um, so they were separate from what i'm hearing from a lot of people that were in space and even worked for the Orion group or the Germans, like, like you said, the fourth Reich. I, I remember something about that. They called it the fourth Reich, but they didn't officially, they had a bunch of different names for operational security. Um, but they, the fourth Reich, they talked about, but it was more of a philosophy, not exactly the official name from, from how I remember it. But, you know, I was, I was a slave, man. I didn't, I wasn't privy to, um, you know, the nuts of watching the sausage get made or anything. Yeah, and and I think that's that's messed up that they they can take people as slaves and like you know and then they ruin people's lot. Well, at least you're able to come out to, to to end everything on a good note. At least you're able to tell your story now and maybe make a change in the world. Like, do you feel like by doing these podcasts and stuff to to kind of wrap everything up? Do you think that you're making a change in the world? And do you think that's where we need to be doing? Like, I uh, am very shocked that I'm the only. When I first came out and started talking about this, I thought I'd do a few interviews and that a flood of people would come behind me and keep doing interviews. And what's true is that I've learned that my role is something that different than what I expected. And I may be something, uh, you know, on a team of people that are trying to dis disclose this. Everybody tells me, uh, you know, I get it all the time, emails and messages like, thank you, Tony, you're making a difference. Uh, but judging the size of it i don't know i'm very happy that the book came out so that the book will go on like if something bad happened to me or my you know all my stuff gets deleted videos can, half of my videos have been deleted already so i'm happy that the book is out for that i hope it's a historical testimony that in the future it's useful to people that are post-disclosure they can look back on it and it's like a, a story that's part of history just like we have stories of slavery now i think they're very important i think I, I really hate the cancel culture because I feel like when they delete history, you know, they're enabling it to happen again. So it's very important for us to not forget slavery. It's very important for us to not forget the upheavals and the wars that we've been through. And it's very important for us to not forget what we're hearing now out of whistleblowers like myself in the space programs, because we're going to go to a post 
disclosure world and it's going to be a completely new history and we need this context of what was going on is the wild west up there so yeah to answer your question yes how how many people i'm reaching how many people i'm knowing uh, certainly not enough certainly not enough i wish it was a i wish not my story my not my name but i wish the information of secret space program and the germans and the moon bases i wish all these things were common knowledge I wish it was household names that really needs to be on that level. And it will be one day, but uh, it's going slowly. And uh, I'm just doing my, I just, like I said, I couldn't take this to the grave, man. It's just too much to it. There's no yeah, way I was going to sit there and go, man, I should have told somebody. I would have regretted my last moments of my life. And I don't want to experience that. We just had one more question from the, the audience. I just wanted to, I just saw this. And I didn't want to be rude. This person, Crystal Andrews says, Tony, what are your thoughts on AI here on earth? Is it a place to enslave humanity and the Great Reset? If you have any thoughts on that. And thank you, Crystal, for your question. You know, I bought the book, Klaus Schraub's book, thinking I'd read it, you know, Know Thy Enemy kind of thing. And I bought it. And I just, I get sick every time I think about reading it. Um, I probably should give it a peek in there and see what he's got in mind. Uh, AI is going to happen. So it's already here. So the, the Aladdin computer is already running 80% of the world's assets. It's, a, it's an AI. We are owned by an AI. The BlackRock assets portfolio is controlled completely by an artificial intelligence. So AI is here. It's probably um, very advanced, more than what we know. And um, it's already doing things. So that's what we're seeing. So to humanity has been greatly enslaved to the financial system. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you, where we're going to be. Uh, I would assume that ET groups are going to step in and AI isn't, you know, AI isn't all powerful. And uh, there are things, sorry, watching these, these happen, not so watching these, but there are things that are going to take place. So I, I believe that there's a necessary uh, um, level of AI that's going to have to happen. It makes sense. But giving everything over all of our power to AI is um, not wise. So I think that there's going to be a happy medium. We can't be afraid of all the technologies that are coming down the pipe. That's the biggest thing. I think right now there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of people are afraid of what's happening. You hear about AI, you hear about the Great Reset, you see what's going on in the pandemic in the world. It's like there's a lot to be afraid of if you really unpack it. And I think that's the biggest mistake. You have to have respect for the dangers that are there, but we can't be afraid because we're going to be exposed to radical technology. We're going to be exposed to very radical things that we are unprepared for. And the kids are going to adopt it very faster, very much faster than we do. But we can't be afraid of what's going to happen. We have to figure out a way to roll with it and make the best and maintain our um, sovereignty as we do it individually. I agree. I think that's really well said. And I, I just want to thank you for doing this. This was amazing. And if you, I have your, I have your website up on the bottom of the ticker so people can see it, but if you want to tell thank people you. your website and uh, thank you again and, and the name of your book and how they can find your book, I even have a link for the book in the description too, but still, I always like to give you the floor to promote anything you want to promote. And thank you so much. Thank you, man. It's great to be here. So the the website is TonyRodriguez.com. It has a link to my book. It has a link to free uh, interviews and a link to my Patreon channel, which is going through kind of a, a revamp. But I have a show. Um, I put a paywall so that uh, it wouldn't get deleted. So, I mean, there for a while uh, in 2020, it was like videos where everything was getting deleted. Um, so the website is that. You can email me through there and contact me. It's been busy. It's been taking me a long time to get back to people. It's because after Orlando, it's, I've been swamped. But um, that's there. 
the book series Colony Cavalier is available on Amazon. It was a bestseller for six weeks and it hit bestseller again not too long ago, but it's on there. It's doing well. It's got a lot of re leave me a review, an honest review is all I care. If you hate it, go ahead and leave a review. Say you hate it. If you love it, say you love it, please. But the reviews are huge and I really, I really am touched by a lot of the reviews on there. And my second book is coming. It's due for release in April. I've been working hard on it. It's difficult, um, but it's come along good. And it's going to be, I hope it's well received because it's going to go in a much different direction than you know, I think anybody else has said anything in the subject matter. I think my second book is going to present new subject matter that I really am going to think twice about even talking about in interview form because it's uh, of secondary kind of very vague, very distant memories. But um, it, it'll be out in April. And it'll be probably be a shorter book. And uh, that's it. All right. Well, this has been awesome. And uh, thank you so much again. I know I said that, but uh, this was this was amazing.